Hey friends, it's so good to see you. I like the hey. Please feel free to talk back during the sermon. I actually really appreciate that. Uh, last week when I was preaching, my granddaughter shouted in the middle of my sermon. It was one of the most delightful moments of preaching for me ever. Uh, our gospel reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew from chapter 13. I'll be reading verses 31 through 33 and verses 44 through 52. Hear now these words from the Gospel of Matthew. He, Jesus, put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches." He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. I have a little bit of a catchphrase that I like to use at work. I use it at least a few times a week, often as I plunk my head down onto my desk in exasperation. And that catchphrase is, I have a weird job. I thought it was weird enough before when I was in parish ministry, but becoming a jail chaplain broke the weirdometer. (laughs) I was interviewing a potential new chaplain this week who, hallelujah, took the job. (laughs) But in that interview, she asked what a typical day looks like for us. And my administrative assistant and I just laughed and laughed and laughed. I'm really glad She still took the job after that. (laughs) There's the schedule that we print out and hang up on the wall that includes all the scheduled worship times, Muslim prayer times, scripture study groups, meditation gatherings, 12-step program meetings, and more. And it all looks very organized and normal. And then there is what actually winds up happening during the week. Because sometimes the meal trays are running behind schedule or the commissary orders show up on the housing unit just as you're trying to start class. 
It's totally normal to show up for a pastoral care visit with someone and find out they just got moved to another housing unit, or they're at court, or they were just released. We have a staff-centering prayer time in the chapel every morning during the week. Last week, we had just started a session of centering prayer when the loudspeaker went off directly above our heads to list the officers who needed to report for overtime that day. Good luck praying with that going off. And it's just like that. That's how it is where we work. It's a different world than anywhere on the outside. And the range of services we provide on a regular basis is unusual. We do the stuff you would expect us to do, the chaplain-y things, but we also give out reading glasses and coloring pages, and we do research on the diets of various religious groups, and we coordinate with outside family members to make sure pets are cared for. What can be really exhausting, though, is that it's not just weird, it's really really difficult. Those of you who know me well know weird doesn't faze me much. <laughs> but it's also really difficult work. Our job, our calling there, is to be a holy and comforting presence. But the stories that we are called to listen to and to hold for people are often painful and difficult. And we very rarely see quantifiable results of what we do. You can't quantify being a good listener. So we all come home many days wondering if what we do really mattered at all. Most of the participants in our services are short-term, staying anywhere from days to a year or two. So the turnover is high and fast. We either never see someone again, which we have to take as being a good thing, or we see them every six to 18 months cycling back through again, which is really hard to not take personally as a failure. And many times the message we get from the community is that they don't really care either. The other day as I was leaving the employee parking lot at the jail, I told John this earlier, I pulled up to a light and a man on the street started screaming at me and sharing some very impolite hand gestures. And I assume, it was because I was clearly leaving my job at the jail for the day, and people who work in jails are not generally very popular. Our culture sometimes assumes that if you're not shouting at the problems in society, you are the problem or part of the problem. But there's a lot to be said for the quiet work that is done from within broken systems. And let me say this loud and clear, our system is definitely broken. There are so many injustices happening in our court and correctional systems that must be addressed. For those of you who don't know the difference between prison and jail, and it's no judgment on you if you don't, many people don't, uh, the difference is that prison is where those who've been found guilty and then sentenced are housed. Jails are primarily full of unsentenced individuals. They are people who are waiting for their trial and or their sentencing. They have not been convicted of anything yet. Um, but because of things like the cash bail system, our country practices, this is primarily a holding facility for those who are already trapped in poverty and perpetuates that system over and over. It also means it's a place full of people struggling with addiction 
and with mental health crises who need appropriate support that won't just make their situation worse, which is what jail tends to do. So in other words, if you think my job is about serving hardened criminals, you are wrong. It's about sitting with traumatized and marginalized people who are trapped in unjust systems. And while it is very important for us to speak up about broken systems, that does not get us off the hook for the really hard work, the quiet work. Yes, it is sexy and exciting to go shout at the jail oversight board or the city council meeting. There is a time and a place for holding picket signs, but if you're not willing to sit down and get to know the actual human beings you are claiming to support, you are not doing much kingdom work. If you're not willing to sit down and get to know the ins and outs of the system and how it started and why it started and to admit that no matter how much you know you always have more you need to learn, you run the risk of doing more harm than good by assuming you know what you're talking about. Because none of us know what we're talking about, my friends. That's one thing I've learned over the past few years. It is long and difficult work, this kingdom building. It isn't sexy or shouty. It's a mustard seed. It's baking in the kitchen. It's finding some joy hidden in a plain, ordinary place. It's a merchant's shopping trip gone right. It's just fishing. The way we roll in our day-to-day -day life is what matters most. Sometimes you'll find a pearl. Sometimes God will grant you the wisdom to see the mustard bush and realize how astounding it is that it grew up from that tiny little seed. But sometimes you may just find yourself staring at a plain old field, not even realizing what's buried beneath, or just baking in the kitchen doing nothing special and looking right past the miracle of yeast. And now I'm about halfway through a sermon where I'm supposed to be encouraging you to come volunteer with my organization. <laughs> so it's probably time for me to start turning this around and become a little more encouraging. <laughs> because if this work was all terrible, I would not still be doing it. And I would not be here with you all this morning to encourage you all to get in on it as well. The organization I work for is called the Foundation of Hope. And I'll tell you more about the organization as a whole after the service. There's the plug to stick around afterwards, have some cake. I'm very charming, I promise. The Foundation of Hope is a nonprofit that provides interfaith rehabilitative services to people affected by incarceration both inside and outside of facilities. So we operate within the county jail and in the community as well. And I started volunteering for Foundation of Hope in 2014, and I came on staff during the pandemic. COVID shut down all the volunteer services in the jail for about two years, and the big joke in my house was that the only way I was gonna get back in to keep serving in the jail was to either get hired or arrested. I opted for the former. <laughs> so it's been nearly a decade that I have been involved with doing this work. And it's good work. It's beautiful, holy work. Thousands of people walk, drive, cycle, and bus past that jail every day on their commutes and their daily business and hardly give a thought 
about the 1,500 incarcerated individuals stuck inside. That's a number not a lot of people know. <laughs> you hear county jail and think a couple hundred people. Jesus told us to go to the margins. Jesus told us to care for the people nobody cares for. And I can confidently say I have more regular encounters with Jesus in the jail than I do in churches. No offense. Churches today are often so busy trying to get noticed that they forget to make a difference. A good friend and I were texting yesterday about the passage for this morning. And as we talked through it, she said, what do mustard seeds and yeast have in common? And I very cynically said, they're small and boring and they die to become the thing. <laughs> she laughed and agreed, but went on to say something much more profound than what I had to offer to the conversation. She said they get everywhere. Mustard plants are weeds. This farmer probably did not plant that mustard seed on purpose. It got caught up in the other seeds that got sown into the fields. Yet one tiny mustard seed will go and it will push out all the other crops the farmer is trying to grow because it spreads like wildflower and it gets huge seemingly overnight. And yeast? If you do a quick skim through the rest of the Gospel of Matthew, through the rest of the Gospels, and even the Apostle Paul, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware the yeast of the Sadducees. Teachings that will lead you away from my teachings, Christ says. And in Luke, Jesus takes it further, calling the yeast of the Pharisees their hypocrisy, saying one thing in the light while in the dark, the yeast of their deeds is spreading and will eventually come to light. Jesus is talking about the things that just get everywhere without us even noticing. We've all weathered a pandemic together now, and so maybe germs are a good illustration for that as well. Have you seen those commercials on TV where they illustrate germs moving from a toilet handle to a hand to a doorknob to another person? The small spreading things can go both ways. They can be positive or negative. Small, bad things like germs spread and we don't even know it. But the best good things that spread are often small and unseen and easy to miss too, like glitter. It's really nice to meet many of you and reconnect with others before the service this morning. And I'm wondering how many of you shook hands with me or with one of my uh, colleagues in crime here, John or Cassie, um, you may want to check your hands, and I'm sorry to everyone I hugged when you came in today, you may want to check the back of your shirt as well, but I'm guessing that a number of you have some sparkles on your hands or your pants or your hymnal or other places that you may have touched this morning. Um, anyone who has ever had little girls in the house knows that glitter spreads. And you will hopefully be finding this on hymnals for weeks to come so that you remember this sermon illustration. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God, the way that God wants things to be, is like glitter. Small and hidden, but it can spread everywhere. It changes things and it sticks around. God's way of doing things, which I agree with my friend, is a great way of referring to God's kingdom in today's language. God's way of doing things is weird and it's difficult and it often goes unnoticed or unappreciated by the public, but it's glitter. 
I'll end with an email one of my staff recently sent to me that was a great encouragement to all of us because I think I'm not the only one that had a rough week this week. Some of my staff did as well. But Colin sent me this email this week. In jail ministry, we rarely see results. We trust that the seeds we may have planted took root and will find a place to grow. We accept never seeing an individual come back to the jail to be a sign of success. Very recently, there was a message on the chapel phone from a gentleman who had been incarcerated a few years ago. He called to thank us for the support we provided while he was here and wanted us to know that he's found a good church community, has a strong walk with Christ, and is doing well all around. A call like this is the kind of boost that keeps us going. It is genuine evidence that what we are doing matters. And so in summary, my dear ones, go be glitter. Amen.